All right, welcome everybody. Shaving Baseball Report Friday edition. It's been a good week. Good week of baseball. We got a special guest coming on, Jordan Sample, today from Campbell University. Been around, done a little bit of everything, and uh, is one. It was with one of the powerhouses in uh, in the South now, in the Southeast at least. And um, what have you been up to, Todd? Oh, you know, just uh, the busy summer has started. Camp season, at least uh, the youth baseball season has ended, so I have a little bit of a break there. So that's a nice reprieve. Um, yeah, you burn it. Being right? selfish. Yeah. So I mean, yeah. it's, it's like talking with John Ennis. You know, yeah. I mean, John's yeah. got John's got everything we got have going on here, and then he's got the uh, he's got two boys playing at the same time, yeah. trying to trying to coach us and do. You know, it's, it it gets a little bit hairy. I mean, you run around, but I, I, our organizations be like that. If something yeah. comes up, we kind of cover for each other, and that's right. You know, fill in and go and. Uh, but it's been good. We had a really, uh, a really cool, uh, really cool week. With uh, we did our North Carolina South Carolina All Star Game, and um, we had uh, we had some pretty good talent out there, man. We yeah. did. And it was excellent, actually. I was really pleasantly surprised on the futures game. The yeah, amount of talent in the futures. A lot uh, of good arms. Yeah, a lot of good arms, uh, athletic kids, and, yeah. and uh, we had a good turnout too of college coaches, which was nice. So you got the you got the you got the twenty fives and the the twenty sixes now, and with the new NCAA rule, you know you're not getting the you know the love that we would have got a couple of years ago. Well, yeah, with that, so you know, come out here. Yeah, we want to see the talent that's tracking up, but that gives us an, us an opportunity to kind of just tee up some of these kids and get them on the board, whether they can speak to them or not. Uh, but we did get some. I mean, we got you got some phone calls. I got yeah. some phone calls of kids that were at the 2023 game, and uh, you know that that's. That's what it's about, man. Yeah. I, th I think that's a great question to ask Stamp when he comes on is, uh, you know, what are schools looking at? Are they even looking at 24s or, or yeah. you know, 25s at this point? You know, and that's a, I think that's a great question to ask. I don't think you got to build a board. You yeah, know, you got to get, you know, yeah, I mean, you have to get some kids identified because when that opens up, it's going to be, you know, it's going to be a frenzy. Right. But um, it's, it's crazy. You go on, you know, Kendall Rogers Twitter every day and you see, 150 more kids on the portal. Who was telling me, um, uh, PJ yeah. was telling me that from the time he left his office and went 25 minutes later somewhere, he looked in and there was like 75 kids in the portal yeah. and it just keeps, it keeps going. It's like, so with, it's like, oh no, it's almost, I think it's close to 4,000. I mean, Stan may know better because he probably has access to it, but you know, last I heard it was like 3,700 and something and growing. I mean, we, we just got to do a really good audit and percentage of those kids who don't even find a school. It's, mean, it's, it's a be, black hole. It's got to be 50%, I would assume. It's it's definitely a black hole. I mean, how, how do you how do you jump into that? That I mean, that's, you got what, um, 33,000 college roster spots? Yeah. Right. right. So, it's, you know, yeah, it's, somebody it's, got, it's wild. 1,700 colleges in America, you know, not everyone has a baseball team. Just do the math. Oh, these kids think if they go in there, it's like it's like the magic pool, you know. It's like the fountain of youth. I'm going to be located, found, and yeah. rejuvenated, and it's not doesn't it's not going to happen. And a great quote by a cut. Well, I'm not going to say his name. A college coach that was at our event, and he said, "Every kid that goes in the portal thinks they're a power five player." Mm -hmm. He goes, "So it doesn't even you know." So if you're a D two guy, D two coach, you got to wait until the end of the summer, basically, because none of those kids are looking to go D two or D three, which is a shame. Yeah, they could say, oh, you know, well, you know, the, the best opportunity I have to get drafted is going to it's going to a power five. That's yeah. BS. I mean, Stample tell us. I mean, you know, uh, these 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 mid major conferences, and there's some good D two players. Yeah, no doubt about it. It trickles down, right? Hundred percent. And it definitely trickles down. But you know, if you're if you're playing Division one baseball and you're in a competitive conference somewhere, doesn't have to be a power five. Doesn't have to be ACC, SEC, whatever. You, you're gonna, you know, these guys are looking for you. Hundred percent. I mean. You you look at, uh, you know, UNC Charlotte, Campbell, Coastal Carolina, they're going to have more players drafted from those teams than, you know, a power five. Yeah. In fact, you know, so. And Wilmington. And Wilmington. Yes. And Wilmington. <laughs> and Wilmington. And Wilmington. Okay, Campbell's coming into the to that See, conference. Yeah. yeah, that conference got an uptick, huh? Yeah, it certainly did. Yeah. You know, I mean, that yeah. Dylan, I mean, you know, Dylan doesn't pay attention to this stuff. He yeah. just goes and plays, right? right. So. And he's coming back from orientation. And we've known this for a while that Campbell's been going in. Yeah. Dylan texts me, Dad, Dad. Well, you I know they're coming into our conference. I'm like, I mean, I look, so it was great. Last night, actually, speaking of this, I looked, I was like, I just want to see who was in the CAA. You know, yeah. just a, I mean, now you got Campbell, Wilmington, Charleston, yeah. Northeastern had a huge year. Northeastern had a great Delaware, year. Delaware. Yeah. You know, I mean, you yeah. know, 
I'm probably missing some, but you Stony, know. Stony Brook's a hit or miss. They, yeah. They'll come up with some big town yeah. along the way that comes up out of the northeast that doesn't come down here right. to play. Uh, they'll shock. Yeah, Hofstra's yeah. never been. Yeah. Monmouth, you know, yeah. they had it down here. William & Mary. William Mary's, Mary's had yeah. some good seasons. Yeah. So. But it's a competitive, and it's great because it's a great conference. It just goes up and down the East Coast, which is nice. Yeah. It's, it's really good for recruiting, you know, purposes. Uh, I think it's phenomenal. I, 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 the, other, the other part that I that I like is that there is an opportunity for these kids, for the Northern kids to come down. If you look at Maryland's roster, yeah. it used to be everybody's like parked up there. You know, but if you look, if you look at Maryland's roster, it's all Northeast kids. Right? Oh, for and sure. They're, they're competitive. They've been competitive for years now. Um, so, that you know, there's pockets of good baseball players all over the place. But my point being is that, you know, with video and with, you know, with advocates, right, there's there's good ways to get those players right. out of the North. And listen, I, I mean, if, if the weather was right, you'd stay up in North and play home, right? Nobody right. really wants to go that far away. Right. But, you know, you don't want to go to Boston to play, you know, it's tough. I mean, Gambino's done a good job up there with, you know, with that, you know, so you have to recruit kids that are used to that climate. You're not going to take a Southern kid and then take them North. Well, it's a great point. The kids that we talk to about, you know, with, with our program and, Mm -hmm. you know, kids who live down here, you ask them, do you want to go play the Northeast? Is that open? Mm -hmm. Majority of them say no. Yeah. 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 Which makes sense. I mean, I don't. You know, Man, I, 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 unless you're high academic, you want to do Ivy League or a really high academic. Right, B3, right. Different, different story. Different. If that's the priority. You know, right. I mean, it, it's that's the priority. But you know, growing up on Long Island, you growing up in New Jersey. Right. I mean, you came here. I mean, right. you came from right. the south. Right. I went to Maryland. I thought I was going south. Right. And right. it was not yeah. south, dude. It that's was. Right. It was cold. It was definitely cold. But so the All Star game overall, we had. Uh, it was that was a great game. Yeah, it was. It was, it was a, a walk, two out walk yeah. off. Yep, two out walk off. Um, low scoring. Yep, guys threw strikes. You know, we had a couple of innings there where it got a little bit, a little bit, but it it didn't lead yeah, to it, big, it didn't lead never led to big innings. Right. Um, yeah, and you, and you know, it, it, again, it was free for everybody. Everything, everything about it was free. There was yeah. no gate. There was no. Yep. You know, the kids didn't have to pay to get involved. You know, we took care of the coaches that got here and watched us, uh, watched the kids. And um, it was nice at the upper class, you had 20 kids committed, 20 kids uncommitted. It was like yeah. half and half. Yeah. And then you had anywhere from high power five D1 to NAA yeah. to Yeah, to, yeah, to Division three. Yeah. So it's, uh, but you know what, you, you get out there and it may be size difference, but, you know, the kids that are going to mid to power fives are competing with, they yeah. being, in the same mix with the kids that are going to Brevard or, or right. another D3 school, and they were competing. You know, it's just, listen, it's a look at the draw sometimes. You know, it's, 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 you know, where you're at in the mix. And, you know, sometimes it's eyeball tests. Sometimes you, you know, it's like, it's like uh, Hunter Buskey, right? Like we know Hunter Buskey can hit, and we know that he can hit at any level. And he's made himself into a, a good catcher. So is he a Division one catcher? Probably not. Could he even do D2 catcher? Yeah. But every time he went to a camp, he didn't produce at the camp. Right. But all season long, just did his well, job. We, you know, showcases camps. Yeah. It's a, it's a, hey, two at bat. You know, three inning in the field, and if you don't perform, it's it's hard. You know. So, yeah. all right, so, you want to do the introduction? To, to, uh, uh, sure. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So uh, Jordan Stampler, he's the director, of player or head of player development for Campbell University. Prior to that, he was head coach at Pfeiffer University here in North Carolina. Jordan Stampler, welcome. What's up, guys? Thanks for having me. Absolutely. When I walked in, I looked at the picture. I was was talking about his hair. I mean, the first time I saw him was in our first building down there, and he had the the flow going. He was, you know, it looked like he was like – bar hopping. Now he's like – now he's got two kids, and it's all polished up. Well, that's why I said on my my, – on my Twitter post last night, I said the one and only. Yeah. <laughs> that's right. That's that. Those are big shoes, man. That's You're right. the one and only. They're the only shoes. That's it. They're the only shoes. <laughs> uh, well, Stan, man, we appreciate you you being here. We got a, a lot, of, a lot of questions going on. Obviously, the the rule changes in the game, um, not being able to communicate with kids until a certain uh, uh, year um, and a certain date in that year. Uh, you know, the portal um, questions, you know, we're talking about doing a different type of showcase, a JUCO portal type showcase. And, you know, how would that help these kids? Because, you know, we'll talk about the portal first, like we have. 
it's it, it it has turned into a black hole for more than it has turned into a successful kind of parting ways of your your former university and going somewhere else to play. Um, it's almost it's almost like the recruiting process in what we go through, right? These kids are somewhat delusional to a sense, saying, "I am a you know I'm a power five guy, I'm a D one guy, or it's D one or bust or whatever." And like you said, these guys jump in the portal and they uh, they think that they're gonna yeah they're gonna elevate when more times than not they're not. But uh, how are you guys handling the portal right now, Stan? As as fluid as anybody is, I guess. I, I think we're all still <clears throat> trying to navigate, um, you know, what it is and, and how to best use it. I would say, I, you know, we've had some guys. We've we've been pretty good about our program about guys leaving early, um, you know, and trying to get into the portal and things like that. Um, from the from the time that I've got here is kind of when the transfer portal started to become a thing. So it hasn't really hurt our program that, uh, that badly. Um, we had some guys jump in there this year who were like mostly graduate guys and, and, you know, looking to move on and have graduated from Campbell and stuff um, and still have eligibility left, whether it's a COVID year or they redshirted early on, uh, early on in their career. Um, and those guys, you know, it's, it's some of them just want to move back or back closer to home, you know, closer to their families and see if somebody can scoop them up closer to their families. Um, other guys feel like, you know, maybe, Maybe they could make more, a little bit more of an impact on a, on a different roster. Um, so, I, you know, I, I think the transfer portal on the outside looking in, it kind of does get a bad rap. Honestly, I, I think, um, you know, some kids, especially prior to, you know, this year with the rule changes, like kids make early commitments and coaches make early commitments and they kind of get sucked in. And then they, so, they sort of feel trapped to the, to the school or, or, you know, institution that they're going to. Um, and they don't really really have a great way out. And I think that's, you know, the transfer portal has um, allowed some of that. Is it all positives? Like, absolutely not. And I think you guys alluded to that a little bit earlier. Like, I looked it up just, just for the sake of it. I think it's right under 4,000 kids in the transfer portal right now. Um, that's through all, all divisions, you know, not just Division One or whatever. So that's every every kid um, who's entered the portal, um, you know, at any, at any division in the NCAA or whatever. So um you know there are success stories there are guys who think they're gonna you know be the next whoever and and be on a power five or, or top mid-major roster and, and they don't get that kind of love um for sure you know i i think kind of like i said you know a minute ago though I, I think we're all still trying to navigate it and figure out figure out the best way um to work through it like i don't know that there are any experts in the transfer portal just yet as far as like you know understanding the flow and the timeline of it and how to how to properly and legally navigate um, navigate through it. So, um, you know, we, we have some guys who are, you know, potential drafts, and I think that's, you know, an area where the transfer portal could help us because um, we don't know if they're going to get drafted, and I don't know that we could, you know, pick up a, a decent player to kind of replace them that late in the game with the draft being moved to, uh, to early July there now. Um, so, <clears throat> you know, the transfer portal – I think does have some benefits for, for sure on both, you know, the coaching program side of things and a, as well as the player side, um, you know, and, and I feel like normally when we talk about the transfer portal, it's like how many kids go in and then how many get left behind, like you guys mentioned it. Um, but, I, you know, kids go in there for all different types of reasons, man. And, and you know, I think gen generally speaking, like it does kind of get a, a worse rap than maybe it should. Um, you know, it's just kind of my take. I, you know, it's not all positives, but I don't think it's all negatives either. Uh, and I know that's not what you guys are saying. It's just kind of my my two cents on it. No, that's it yeah, makes a lot of sense. I mean, you guys. I mean, just going back, you know, two years, you're looking at you know Zach Neto and Harrington. I mean, obviously, the development that you guys do and the recruiting that you guys do at the high school level is phenomenal. Um, the fact that you know two first round picks last year and now ones in the major leagues already. Uh, I mean, are you still focusing, obviously, on, on the high school athlete? Is that is that a priority? Or at this point going into the summer, is it is it sort of like how do we backfill, you know, 2024, you know, with a portal kit or a transfer or JUCO? Yeah, I think – I mean, I don't think you have to be like one or the other, right? Like I think you kind of just said it. Like we do a good job. I mean, we have a, we have a handful of guys coming in um, in this class – which believe it or not, their lockers are already set up and they're ready to go, you know, get here to train this summer and stuff, which is nuts. Um, seeing how our season ended like five days ago, but right. you know, they're ready to go and we're ready to turn it over. And, and 
you know, those guys, like some of them are going to be a little bit more developmental. Others are going to be more plug and play. Um, we've had a lot of success with like our arms early on, like kind of, kind of being able to come in and step in and get some innings. We're on the position, position player side of things. You know, those guys need to get in the weight room and they need to train a little bit and they need to work at some pretty high velocities um, before we feel like they're prepared um, to play every day for us. And so, you know, I think the JUCO side, like JUCO obviously for our program is, is a big deal. Um, we've had a bunch of guys who, you know, come in as kind of under-recruited JUCO guys and things like that. And then they, they come into our program and they, you know, before they leave like the Spencer Packards of the world and, you know, Jared Belbin and Drake Pearson, all those guys were JUCO guys. And um, they didn't necessarily have like unbelievable, unbelievable success in their first season here. Right. And, and I think that's important to know too, like these guys, just because they have some experience at the collegiate level, like they still they still have a lot to to get better at and a lot of a lot of room to grow, and I think they do that even though you know they've been in college for a couple of years. And then I think working through the portal, you know, on our staff and and the way that we've kind of handled is is when we feel like we have a need um, and we can't fill that need with a guy that we've seen you know two or three times throughout the fall, like a JUCO guy, that's the answer for us. With, with trying to use the transfer portal, I think. And again, like we're, you know, we have some question marks on some guys who might be drafted or may not be, and we're not going to know that until the first week of July or whatever it is. Um, and so like you, you got some guys in the portal that you think you like, and they've had decent numbers and they played at this program mm-hmm. that you're familiar with or whatever the case may be. And, and we try and just do as much um, work on those guys right up until the draft and then figure out if, if we're going to have some holes for them. So there's, there's a waiting game to this. Oh, yeah. And it's uh, on both ends, right? So if you're in the portal and you haven't been tapped yet, you know, that doesn't mean you're not going to be, but you right. know, you guys are waiting to figure it out. And the draft is always, the draft always plays yes. in. We used to say the Power Five used to always over, overcommit guys because they were, you know, they weren't sure how many guys that they would lose in the draft. You can project on certain guys that were going to go, but a lot of times not every one of them went. And then, uh, right. so, you know, I, I'm not, I, I mean, I, I didn't mind the transfer part of it with the um but there's no consequences to it. That's 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 a piece that's a little kind of disturbing because they can pick up and go when they want to go, right? But the other piece, it puts these guys in a position too, because kid could go into the portal and not and say I'm you know, I'm not leaving, right? I mean I want to come back or whatever. You're not it's not like once you cut that tie, it's completely over. Now, I mean I'm, I'm sure coaches will handle it that way you know like you know if you don't if you're not loyal now why are you going to be loyal later and i'm going to bring it back for another year we'll go find somebody else that that is um that piece that piece is a little bit disturbing because it used to be you could transfer but you had to sit out a year right Right. if you're going to go if you're going to go loud if you're going to go inside of division one you had to sit out a year. you can go play at d2 or d3 um so to me the play the play the consequence is you know you're taking a chance going into the portal now and I, th- I think players will figure that out. I think they'll figure it out pretty soon. Like, oh my gosh, you know, when they're looking back for the couple of years we've had it right now, it's at 4,000, 4,000 players in there. Like, I'm really going to go in the portal? Like, if you're not going to move forward with something kind of guaranteed, if, for example, you know, you've seen, you've recruited guys along the way that went certain places and you liked them, you wanted them, you probably offered them, but then maybe they went in the portal and you still like them. You know, that's somebody that they've seen. But the guys that have gone in the portal, Right. You know, the, the the mass of the portal has not been seen by these guys or whatever. And, you know, they're not hoping. And, I, 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 again, is, is, it, is, is there a balance to, is it more pitching, is it more infielders, or it's just the way it shakes out on a roster at that time? Yeah, I think it's what you need, right? Like it's what, yeah. you know, arms are always a premium, obviously. And, and you know, I, I want to say you can never have enough of them. It seems like that. But you certainly can, right? Like you don't – you're not just going to carry 30 – pitchers on a 40-man roster so there's a balance to it um without a doubt and i think it, it's a, really a matter of, of what you need um there's good players littered throughout the part, portal man like our starting catcher who probably caught the last 35 games for us you know we had some injuries and things like that last year he was a uh, alabama um alabama commit out of high school and redshirted there and he was a portal guy our ended up being like our Saturday guy this year, Hunter Lloyd, we got out of the transfer portal. Um, so, you know, it, it's a, 
it, it serves a lot of good and it definitely has some consequences like you guys just mentioned. But, um, uh, you know, we're all trying to figure it out and figure out the best way to attack it. And I don't think anybody has all the answers. What's the, uh, what's what's the um, the end of the COVID free year, guys? When is that going to fall back to a, to a number that's, you know, the, at 22 years old, you're out of college, you know, you're, you're done or, you know, you're, you're You've either been drafted or you're finishing up your school, but now it's, you know, I mean, we saw two years ago guys that were 26 years old playing college baseball, man. They should even get released from AA. So when this, with all the COVID, and I was like super thankful to get some of those guys back and stuff, obviously through the COVID year. Um, I actually moved to Campbell during that time. But, uh, you know, some of those guys that I coached at Pfeiffer at the time, um, they got an extra year of eligibility, which a lot of them used and things. But when that whole thing went down, when the NCAA was going to grant them a, an entire extra year of eligibility, like, you know, at first it was like, okay, like in two years, you know, roster sizes will be trimmed back down and, every, and you know, guys will kind of move on and progress throughout their lives or whatever in their careers. Um, but in the past couple of years, like what I've seen is that, I, you know, I don't know when it ends, right? Because, you have a let's say you have a fifth year guy this year or a sixth year guy, whatever he is, you know, in, in this next coming season that had his COVID year and maybe took a redshirt year, right? Or had a had a medical redshirt and then got his COVID year back, who's like miles in front of the freshman that you bring in right. in terms of your program. The freshman's a really good player, but he's probably not as good as the guy that's been in your program for three, four, or five years. And What's so it? <laughs> yeah, so you end up, and, and I, you know, we're probably not the only program to do this, but you end up maybe redshirting that guy who, like, three years ago may have not been a redshirt, and try and get in, get him in a little better shape and get him a little stronger, and a little more sped up, um, which only leads to the next class, right? Because now that guy's going to, you know, have a year, a year lead on on you know guys coming in behind him. So I, I don't know. Like I think um, I don't know the answer. I just think we we probably end up redshirting guys, you know, more than we, we used to. And like kids are going to be in college for longer, um, which is a huge reason the transfer portal is as, as hot as it is, right. These kids have more years to play. Right. Um, yeah. so it's, not, it's not just like, well, I'm unhappy here and, and I'm leaving. Um, you know, they've played in the same program for two, three or four years. And like I said, like maybe they want to move back closer to home. Maybe they want to allow their family to see them play a little more. Maybe they want to just like we had a kid last year who had a year of eligibility and like he had a bunch of buddies playing at a school up, up near his house. And he was like, you know, like I just want to get consistent at bats. And I think I want to go play with them. And it was more like he didn't have a, a ton of pro interest or anything. And he just wanted to like have fun with his boys in college, which I think is like super unique. Um, so I, I don't know, like I see all different angles of it from athletes to coaches to administration um, and everything. Everything else really is like you see all these different viewpoints. And it's, it's it is a really interesting dynamic world. Um, there's no doubt. So, I, but I don't see where it ends because I think these younger guys they come in and they're always going to be younger. You know, for the most part, they're always going to be younger, literally and metaphorically, um, maturation wise and things like that. And so, the, you know, you can get them up to speed and get them closer to playing uh, a legitimate playing level if they take a redshirt year. You know, so. I, I don't know. I don't know when it ends. I don't know when it catches up, so to speak. Um, what, what would you say your biggest pull is from? Is it from the transfer portal? Is it guys uh, high school? Is it uh, or I mean, those are your two biggest pools? I mean, which which one do you guys pull from more? The portal is definitely third for our program. It's okay. it's yeah, junior college and high school guys are still you know one one A one B. I I don't know which you know which is which. I, I mean, we got a lot of really talented high school guys in our roster. And a, and a lot of really good, solid contributors that come from JUCO. Um, like I said, I, you know, for us, like, been, what, where, where do we need to fill a, a gap at quickly where we don't necessarily have the time to go to go watch this kid play a bunch or whatever? So, you know, for us, for us that's kind of how, it, how it's worked out the last few years. Yeah, Stan, just to switch gears a little bit and just kind of how Stamp and I met, um, through through my you know I work with Blast Motion and and uh, Campbell is obviously one of our college partners who uses our technology extremely well. Um, you know the the whole uh, you know technology in baseball just in general uh, for the development side and and obviously the recruiting side. 
Um, how is that? How is that used at Campbell? And, and if you can explain a little, and not just blast motion, but if you guys have anything else, the track manner or anything else that you guys use. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, you know, I, I said this when we talked at ABCA, Todd, like, I don't know how, I, I truly don't know how there are programs out there um, with resources available that like are afraid to kind of jump into that space, whether it's tech and data or just like information, right? Like um, we, we have a track man on our field. Um, I would say that like 75% or more of the fields that we play on have track man at it. Um, we have a portable track man that our pitchers don't throw a pen, you know, a, a legitimate pen on without, you know, getting that data collected. Um, every one of our position guys is outfitted with a blast motion sensor and really throughout the entire fall, like they take every swing with it on and early part of the spring. Um, it's like unlimited information almost it feels like. Right. And, and, and you gotta, you gotta pick your spots and know what you want to train and, and know what, you know, what piece you really wanted to, you really want to dive into with guys, whether, you know, on the pitching side of things, like, is it movement profiles? Is it, you know, getting your pitches to tunnel better or, or use different, you know, uh, pitch shapes to pair better um, with each other. You know, that's kind of how Cade Keeler developed his, his cutter slider deal that, I mean, was probably his best pitch and he's got like one of the best fastballs in the country. Um, but like his cutter slider became like a pitch off of that fastball that would get just a ton of weak contact. And um, it allowed him to go deeper into games, you know, cause he was a pretty much a swing and miss or a take guy. And, and with that, you're getting guys who go like you know, four, four or five innings, a good ball, but then you still got to pick up four or five innings on the back end. So his, uh, his, his length this year was, was increased because of that pitch um, in big part to that pitch, I think. Um, and we don't know, you know, we don't have those answers without, you know, using data and then saying like, yeah, because you're fastball, if we have a pitch that kind of looks like that and then maybe does like this, the last, you know, the last 20 feet, we'd be in really good shape here. And so he kind of developed that pitch and, and like on the hitting side of things with like blast, you know, specifically, like we, we do a bunch of different things um, with blast. And I would say, you know, I told you this at, at ABCA Todd, but um, the biggest thing for us was like originally just trying to make sure that guys are like attacking the ball the right way. Like regardless of their bat speed, which is like tier one for us, like if you don't have bat speed, you can't compete we have to swing on plane. And then if you can build some bat speed on top of a good plane swing, you have a real shot to do damage, which is really what our whole offense is built around. Um, and guys get to those positions in a million different ways, man. So you won't believe some of the stuff that we've come up with to, to allow them to feel that, you know, the proper, the proper path to take or the ideal path for them, I should say, not because I don't know that there is one path, um, but the ideal path for them. And then using some extrinsic goals with our track man of, parameters you know we train a bunch at at 12 to 28 degrees this year um how hard could you hit the ball within 12 to 28 degrees and we post it on our video board and it's it's immediate feedback and our coaching staff kind of sits there with their mouth shut and they get all the answers they need um by what they're by what they're outputting right and and then they they try they they pretty much just like self-organize themselves to to hit those extrinsic goals and like when they hit a ball over the fence at 12 degrees like it's going to be hit 112 miles an hour. You know, it's it's an absolute rocket. And when they hit it at 28, they know they're probably going to have to hit it a little bit harder. They hit it at 32, they're going to have to hit it a little bit harder. Yeah. And those and those are like, you know, they're parameters. But we got guys who like need lower ball flight goals, and we got guys who are okay. We're okay with having a little bit higher ball flight goals, and their misses should be in the air versus on the ground, and so on and so forth. But like like the coaching piece of like giving these guys like cues and telling them like what to do or how to move or how to get there. It's not eliminated, right? It's certainly not eliminated, but you, you find that like they have, they have the goal in mind and it's showing them it's showing them what's happening every single swing. And you as a coach really need to do less, right? Because like, we're talking about really good athletes here. And when they see like, well, my swing's not matching up to give me this output, what do I need to change? They start to figure those things out on their own, um, which is like always, the best, you know, I tell our guys every day, I had a talk with one of our hitters earlier this year. I said, Who your, who's your best hitting coach? He's a Charlotte kid. I'm not going to name him. Um, but I said, who's your best hitting coach? And he names his, you know, this hitting coach. And I was like, that's great, man. No disrespect to that guy, but it's probably not him. And he's like, well, you know, maybe you were Holcomb. 
And I was like, yeah, I appreciate that. Probably not. Right. Like, and he was like, well, yeah, I don't. And I was like, it better be you, man. Like you better, you better be your own best hitting coach. And we're just like kind of, you know, bumpers in a bowling alley, like keeping you in that lane a little bit. And when you kind of get off the rails, like we can, we can maybe steer you back on, but like you have to be in our program, you have to be your own best hitting coach um, for a multitude of reasons that I can get into, you know, if you guys want me to, but I, yeah, I've, had, I've had that conversation with yeah. Dylan here, you know, I mean, I, I just, my son's going down in Wilmington um, mm-hmm. and um, you know, we're finally, he's fine. He's fine. I, I thought he never listened. He listened. He just didn't want to apply. Yeah. That's what it was. He was just, you know, he's being hardheaded, whatever. But um, you know, I told him when we, when we were working in, in the facility, I just like, you know, dude, we got one month left, you know, and then you're off, you're on your own. And uh, he goes, yeah, you know, they, they, you know, Chris Moore's down there, some other guy. I'm like, dude, no, you have to know your swing. Yeah. And you got to know how to fix this yourself. Because we didn't, we didn't grow up with this tech. I didn't grow up with this technology. Right. Right? None of this stuff no. was there. None of this information was there. So you're always tweaking to figure out where it's going to get your best result. And it's always based on, you know, I wasn't a power hitter. So I knew I had to find barrel and find holes and different things like that. But nobody was sitting there, um, you know, analyzing things. You know, you're coming off the bat at this angle. And you're gonna go, you know, right. The best, the best comment I ever got as a hitter was when I was in Seattle and Gene Clines was the, um, the hitting, the hitting instructor there. And I, I was going through this streak, you know, that was, you know, I was, I was battling on balls, wasn't getting hit. So then I walked in, I said, Gino, you know, what can you do to help me? And he went, oof. Meaning like, you're not good enough for me to help you do. So just move, just go pick it and throw it. <laughs> and that was it. Well, but, <clears throat> well, yeah, I mean, listen, at the end of the day, I mean, the tech, this technology, obviously I've, I work for the company and I believe in the product and I use it, you know, and, and, uh, you know, all of this technology is, is putting the, to have the hitter a chance to be his best version of himself. Right. I mean, you have to have a good approach. You have to have good hand-eye coordination, athleticism, all that stuff. But if you're, if you're in the best spot possible by using this data, you're, you're, you're ahead of the game. You know? The guys are throwing harder, man. Breaking balls, breaking balls are different. Tilts different. You know, I mean, yeah. there's a the game is different than than when we played. Right. I mean, these guys. I mean, we're watching that kid the other night. We're watching this this kid Beckel come in. He's just throwing absolute heat with great life on it. Yeah. You know, and you know, I, I I think I think you know they go back and they say if you if you put Nolan Ryan on a radar gun now it would have been 110. I don't know about that. Yeah. But he, but he threw hard. I promise you, he threw right. hard. Right. Costas threw hard. But there weren't those guys consistently. Like, if you went into Texas, like, man, oh, God, we got to face Ryan. Oh, we're going to go to New York and, you know, you hope you don't run into Gossage or you're going to see Epperson or somebody like that. But there weren't guys just rushing it up oh. there at 95. I mean, you were getting you were getting guys that pitched. So the game has turned more to a power type of approach to everything. I mean, I turn on a random <coughs> Campbell <coughs> Presbyterian game and I see yeah. a lefty throwing 100 for Campbell. Yeah. Yeah. Like, what's going on? Yeah, that, that's, that's, that's not even perfect game I, numbers. That's a real I mean, That's real. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't say that. Uh, that's good. <laughs> um, one more thing uh, with, with the technology. Is it a recruiting tool for you guys? Do you look at you look at the data as a, hey, if this plays, it, is it used that we're going to say this is going to play the next level? Is, 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 that, is that something you guys look at? 100%, man. Like, you know, 10 years ago, it was like, what's the guy, you know, what's his velo? Yeah. You asked, you knew, you knew what they ran in a 60. It's no different. It's just different. It's, it's new times and there's more information. So I, again, like, I don't know why people would, um, if you have that information available, I don't know why you would discredit it, <clears throat> right? Like bat speed plays, you know, bat speed absolutely plays. And, and that doesn't mean that their swing is perfect or it doesn't need some manipulating, but it's, it's, you know, I, I always, I have this argument with one of my good buddies um, who coaches, but I would, I would almost say a hundred out of a hundred times, I'm going to take a kid with like really, really good bat speed and try to clean up some of the other things than, you know, have to re- like really build some bat speed. And I don't know that it's right. I think it might just be what I would prefer. Um, but yeah, like you, your misses, you just have a greater chance with something like bat speed, right? Like you can, you can miss balls and still and still get good contact um, with better bat speed. And then in, in, inside of that, like if you're talking about, you know, VBA or like, are they well connected? Like you could start to piece together what that swing might look like and, and say like, yeah, man, this kid's got a pretty solid swing. You know, if I see a kid with like a 0.17 time to contact, but his bat speed 76, I'm like, yeah, he's going to have some he's going to have some movement issues there, connection issues there. 
Um, but again, like there's things that you can, there's things that you can clean up with every guy. And, and like, I don't think there's like ever too much bat speed, you know, like I think every guy that comes into our program is going to learn how to move better in order to swing faster um, to some regard, if that's what we feel like they, we need them to work on, you know, and, yeah. unless there's like another hanging fruit, that's just like extremely low um, that we could, we can kind of chop at a little bit or whatever. But that's kind of how that's kind of we break it down. Yeah, it's like it's information, man. Like if, if you know, if it's option A or option B, we say this about kids in school all the time. If it's the exact same player and one kid's got a three five and one kid's got a two five, you, you might go with the kid with a three five. Right? He's going to afford himself opportunities financially. He's going to he's going to probably take care of his business in the classroom a little bit better and probably be, you know, a little bit more of a stand up guy on his own when he's on his own two feet in college. It's the same thing. Like if you, if I told you, hey, these two players are the exact same, and one runs a six-two and one runs a seven-two, you know, I don't know that you're taking the seven-two guy ever if they're the exact same. So you know, if you look at it like that, like you could look at it in any number of ways. The guy, they both, they both throw the same amount of strikes. They both have the same whiff percentage. One guy's throwing ninety-five and one guy's throwing eighty-five. You're taking the guy that throws ninety-five. It's, you know, it's. Yes. I don't think it's that. Um, yeah much of rocket science. I don't know that it's black and white, but I think oftentimes we just kind of like, whoa, data, that's too much. Like, I don't need all that. Can he play or can he not? I'm like, well, they're just, they're just numbers. And some numbers are better than others. Right. It's to me, it really is. We've talked about this several times, like the the different, the the speed of the difference between high school to college, the speed of the game is it's tremendous, right? Not, but from college to pro ball, it's not that big of a difference. That as you climb, because those athletes are all the same, and you're kind of moving up the same. So everything he keeps talking about, we're talking about velo, we're talking about how fast you run, we're talking about how fast is the back, how ball come off your back. All that has to equate, and that comes, you know, that comes through a better athlete, right. the better athlete. So you can you can get fooled a lot of times because the consistency of high velo that they'll see in college is nowhere near what they see. Right. You know, you may walk into a high school pro or. or Freaking nature, you go to Catawba Ridge and you got Glauber and you got Mullen and you got McCoy throwing, right? You got some pretty good arms coming out. And even Dime, right? You get some pretty good arms coming out consistently. But overall, the high school, right. you're going to have one guy maybe that's, you know, mid-80s, upper-80s, and that one freak of nature that's out there that, that goes. So, you know, Stamps, you know, we graduated Dylan early and we got him and I had time to go, uh, you know, go around. We watched Wake. We watched Carolina. We sort of, you know, um, so obviously Wilmington play, ECU play, and um, it was interesting to watch him just to just to watch him watch the game at that point because you know it's he started to see this isn't you know this isn't Fort Mill High School dude this isn't you know you know this is uh this is big boy baseball and to your point that point earlier you're playing against battle tested guys that are 23 24 years old you're competing against. You know, it's like I said, it's different coming out of pro ball going into the big leagues because you know you may have a guy that's thirty years old that's been there and you're getting there at twenty one, but you have you've played in that speed right. for a period of time. And um, so the technology, I mean, listen, I, for for a long time, Andrew, I was old school about it. You know, I thought that you know, there's definitely guys out there with artist eyes that can see. You know, that's that kid's got good bat speed, or that you know that kid's a little bit different. Um, but you know, I, I, I'm 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 getting the information, but like you said, I think at some point there's there's so much. You know, I mean, I struggle turning this phone on. Andrew, like I ask him every day, like, how do I log in? You know, how do I add an app? How do I add an app? I think it, it's and it's it's getting frustrating, but you know, <laughs> it's like my son last night trying to show me how to do like this playlist stuff like that. Dad, if you want to run like two in a row, but I'm like, dude, I don't want to know. I really don't care. <laughs> I really don't care at all. But. You know, it's funny. So that because that I was thinking about the same thing when he asked that. How how important is that? But again, not enough organizations out there across the board can provide you with all that data, right? So what would be the key pieces of the data? Would a blast motion, you know, okay, here's you know your rotation, you're you're on plane, you you know, is that enough that that allows you, or is it it has to be more to it, like spin rates on breaking balls and. Um, yeah, I mean, on the on the position player side, like the hitting side of things, um, you know, it's it still is probably like a little bit behind the pitching side. Like we, you know, if you can gather any type of swing data, I think it's it's good to have, you know, in in, in the recruiting process, without a doubt. I think you can get an idea, like I said earlier, you can get an idea of what the swing starts to starts to look like, and you could start to build a plan like for day one when those guys 
step on campus, like what, you know, what they might need to train and spend their time in. On the pitching side of things, you know, like you, you mentioned spin rate, and I think <clears throat> spin rate was like a thing a few years ago. Like, well, if he throws hard and he, and he has a high spin, he can carry it and throw at the top of the zone. And I, it's like so much more than that, um, that that we need to understand about the pitching side of things um, in terms of like, really, if, if you really want me to get into it, like I think everything, <laughs> I believe that every single pitch is to affect a guy's vertical approach angle. I don't care what his spin rate is. I don't care what his induced is. I don't care what his horizontal is, his height is, his release height. I mean, um, or his extension, like every one of those numbers is to affect how the ball is entering the hitting zone. And if you have an outlier pitch with a VA that's like super flat or super steep, it's going to be a tough guy to hit. And, and everything contributes to it, whether it's spin rate, horizontal, induced, like everything. Um, and the more we could find guys with outlier stuff in, in that specific category, what they're doing to get that is almost irrelevant if we could just kind of maintain it because it's outlier. We got guys in our program who will have like stupid metrics and get hammered. And I'm like, well, his VAA is right in the middle 60% or whatever the case may be. Right. And it's just like, it's the ball's doing all this kind of stuff or it's spinning really well, or it's got some like elite hop, but it's, he needs to, he needs to throw from a little bit higher slot or a little bit lower slot, or he needs to move sides of the rubber um, because everything is, is to me, you're trying to affect that number. Like when that number is an outlier, offensively speaking, those are the hardest guys that we struggle to hit. Uh, the, the guys that are most difficult to hit are the guys that have outlier vertical approach angles, meaning the ball's either coming in like super flat or super steep, like dudes that have unbelievable tilt on a breaking ball. Like, and you'll see guys like this, like throw, throw over the top fastballs at the bottom of the zone are extremely difficult to hit because it's really hard to train it. Right? And the same thing with like super, you know, super flat top, uh, top of the zone fastballs are really hard to hit. And when you get guys who can kind of do both or can just throw it in the middle of the plate and, and that number is, is different. It's just harder to, it's harder to barrel up, you know, it's harder to square up cause you don't, you don't see it that often, you know? So yeah, like I would say in the recruiting process, if you look for outliers on the offensive side of things like plus bat speed, plus rotational acceleration, um, those guys are usually going to fare a little bit better, I think, in terms of like projectability. Um, and then the same thing with with um, on the pitching side of things. If you could find some outliers, uh, specifically in that vertical approach angle like category, I think you'll you'll find that like I don't know what this guy's doing, but whatever he's doing is getting outs, and it's probably going to continue on for for his career because it's different, you know. And and that's really what you look for. Um, is things that look a little bit different. And Jeff, you just said it. Like, I don't know what it is, but this guy moves different, right? Like this guy, you know, he swing, his swing looks a little bit different. He looks more athletic. I don't know what it is. And this, you know, in, in terms of strictly data, like there's numbers that for the most part can tell you what is different, you know, or like why it's different. Not that we always need to know that. Um, but when, when there are like outlier numbers that dictate or warrant success rather I think that's like a huge, a huge, a huge deal in terms of like understanding the next level and, and the projectability of that athlete. So that's great stuff. Um, you know, and again, I talk to college coaches, you know, throughout the country about all this stuff. And it seems like there's a different answer for, for every, you know, question about recruiting and technology, but this is kind of exactly what I Well, what's thinking. interesting about that is where Campbell's come from, well, right? And where they've turned that program I mean, around to. So that it's, it's not just because all some good players decided to go there. It's yeah. because they went to get the players that fit, you know. I mean, do you guys have, like, a, an analytics guy on staff that breaks it down for you guys? Or because, you know, I'm, I'm blown away. You're a communications major. Like, what? <laughs> well, so yeah, like, like so our whole our whole office is is pretty in tune with these numbers, yeah. man. It's not we're, we're we have a lot of really good resources here. We don't have a data science team, you know. We don't have like twenty five uh, guys who sit sit and crunch numbers on a computer all day while we're out there practicing. It's like, you know, Joey Holcomb, who's our recruiting coordinator and and our hitting guy, like he's our offensive guy. Um, he was like very unfamiliar with this stuff two years ago when he showed up here um, coming from NC state, you know, and, and I was like, Hey man, you know, we just kind of pressed it on him and, and spoon fed him a little bit early on. And, you know, before he knows it, like he's trying to drink out of the fire hose with it. And he's like, I think we need to do this and challenge him with that and try this. 
and he like can't get enough of it now. And and there's still like the relational piece. There's still there's still the face to face piece that you need to have. Like we're talking about human beings here, not robots. And sometimes like throttling back on that information and what you can give them um, is the best thing you could do, no doubt. Um, but having that information and being able to hey, what are you feeling? Okay. Yeah. Like that's what these numbers dictate. Let's go to work on something that might help that. Um, and, and it's not like, I think the same thing. It's like, well, we have, you know, we have numbers or data to tell us like, yeah, I mean, that is, you are right. Or you are wrong. Like you're completely wrong. Um, I'll talk like <laughs> Zach Neto was that guy, man. Like he would make up stuff in his mind that would be like, I think I'm doing this. And I'm like, ah, no, you're not, man. Like, you're still- <laughs> <laughs> and like, you know, he was obviously a really good player, but he would he would like constantly, feel, you know, to his credit, he would constantly feel like he has to continue to challenge himself with like harder things. And sometimes, I, you know, hey, man, like what you're doing is pretty good. Let's just kind of stick on this routine. But for him, it was always like, what's next? What's next? Yeah, great point, right? The players that are too smart for the game, right? They're good players. But they overanalyzed. Joe Borchard was one of those guys, first-round pick, right, by the White Sox. Just had to stop after every swing and look at the, you know, and then he would he would mechanically take that to the plate with him. And then it would, it, it would hamper him. This guy had unbelievable power, unbelievable athlete, unbelievable everything else. But they they overthink, they overanalyze. And it's just sometimes you just got to, you know, you got to be dumb and play. But but it, it, all, all that stuff comes from, you, you go through all these numbers and everything in your practice and in your development, you know, which, which George's doing. But in the game, for a lot of these guys, it's tough to separate what we've mentally worked on or physically worked on in practice to just go be the athlete and play and let, let that muscle memory take over because that's what we're creating, right? When you're trying to, when you're trying to build certain things out of people, you're trying to create that muscle memory along the way. And that data is going to help them. It's going to help them do that. Yeah, No doubt. So, I mean, like – when we get into the early part of the spring, you know, when we're like two weeks out, it's like this is, you know, we don't swing with blast a whole lot during the season um, because we want, unless there's something glaring that we need to like really dive into. Hey, you know, grab your blast. Let's go to work. Um, but there's almost like the, the development player and then there's like the player player. Right. And like you need you need to kind of walk that bridge at some point and say like, all right, like I'm I'm in a good spot. I need to go play and then just trust your training. That's what we tell our guys. Just trust your training. Like you're prepared for it. You've seen everything that you could possibly see from an arsenal, arsenal stamp piece. You know what you've been working on. You know how to take that into gameplay. Just go play. Cause you're absolutely right. Like the guys that uh, analysis or paralysis by analysis, right? Like they analyze everything and then they can't free it up and just play in the game. And you look up at the end of the fall and they're hitting like 076, but they got the prettiest swing on the team. Um, right. so, you know, doesn't really matter how pretty it is if it didn't produce. So yeah, there's, there's definitely two pieces to that without a doubt. Yes. Oh, good. Okay. Yeah. So, uh, just kind of, you know, again, again, kind of go a different direction. Um, going into the CAA, um, obviously we've been in the big South since, you know, I, I would assume probably the last 10, 15 years. And, um, you know, to, before we get into that, just kind of recap this season. You know, guys obviously had a great year. Um, you know, kind of right on the border of hosting uh, a regional. Um, uh, how do you take this year going into next year, especially going into the CAA? Yeah, I mean, year to year in college baseball is always you know you, you try to you try to take the pieces that you felt like you built off of uh, in a good way and, and get them to carry over to next year, and then hopefully those the new guys you know, can come in, whether they're on your roster, just didn't play every day or, or literal new guys into your program can kind of just pick up where you left off. Um, every college coach in the country would probably tell you it doesn't, it doesn't work that way. Right. Like you got to figure it out and you got to figure some things out early on in the season and throughout the fall and things like that to get your, to get your team to gel and to get them to kind of play together and, and become the best, the best version of themselves. Like coach here does an unbelievable job at, 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 I think getting our guys to understand that, every team's different and you only have one ride with that group of guys, whether it's coaching changes or player changes or personnel changes within the program, like year to year, every single team is different. And so, you know, finding that recipe for us this year didn't really take long. I don't think I, I'm not saying we started the same, the same nine guys every single game, but we were good. You know, we were good at the start of the season and um, 
I don't know, like weeks three, four, somewhere in there, four or five, we, we, you know, scuffled a little bit and played like 500 baseball for a couple of weeks. Um, but kind of got back on track relatively quickly. And, you know, we, we lost two games twice this year, two consecutive games, two times this year, which I think is a testament to our guys and just being able to show up every day, um, whether it's game or practice and just pour it in. And, and that's, you know, the pieces that I hope we carry over from this year to next year is, is trying to find that combination and, and success and just kind of have guys that can pour it in every single day and continue to get a little bit better every single day in preparation, um, you know, because we're going to have some good returning pieces and guys that have been through the fire for sure, but we're also going to have some new guys who, who need to kind of learn that. Um, so that's what I, you know, I think I hope that we bring um, kind of going into next year um, but yeah, it's going to be a different club, man. We're going to have some new faces and we're going to have some new guys who have to step up for us. And, you know, Lawson Harrell was a guy that you could have penciled in the first three years, 270 and, and five to seven jacks. You know, he, he hit 350 this year with 22 pumps, I think, <laughs> like, you know, beat the brakes off him. And yeah, like, I don't, you know, I wouldn't have said that before the year. I think you would, I would have called you a lunatic if, if you did. Um, but the guy just like absolutely dominated his work and, and, you know, showed up every single day to put something in and, and, you know, he warrants, he warrants all, all American honors, man, which he'll get, um, you know, he'll get some. So, you know, we'll, we'll see if we have like that. Great, the next great term. Dominate your work. Yeah, that's great. I, I mean, it. it's, you know, how many guys you see it. come in and just kind of, they, they walk in like, I'm the dude, I'm the man, I've been this yeah. forever, but you know, the guys that dominate their work and that means. You know, that that's practice, right? So, I mean, obviously, all a lot of things we had to talk about. It's just parallel. I was an everyday player in the big league, so my my work was my game time was BP infield. You know, reps, 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 reps. So I had to dominate that to prepare for myself to be ready when my opportunities came. The greatest players in the game though had to dominate that all the time, right? Prior and game time because they get all those opportunities, and that's, you know, people don't realize they say, "Oh, well, hard work will pay off," but you know, dominate dominate your work is that's powerful that's great. stuff. I that's, love it. That's really good stuff. So, Stan, um, big tournaments, school camps, flipping rocks. Mm-hmm. How does it work for you guys? I mean, you got the PG tournament, you go down as 300 teams, right? And, you know, I, and, and everybody everybody assumes, and, you know, this is an education for the people that listen to families too, that, you know, you're not, nobody's ever really flipping rocks. You know, it's not the old time where the scouts driving down the road and sees this country boy throwing 100 miles an hour over here, right? It's, uh, yeah. there, there is an identified list that you guys are trying to target. So when you go to the big tournaments, you know, okay, I got to go see this arm, I got to go see this kid, I got to see that. And if you happen to see something, ancillary right because he was on the field with that kid it's a different story but do you guys put priority on that or do you put more priority on your camps um we we definitely have targets that we go after throughout the course of the summer and into the fall mm-hmm. and you build those you build those um you know those name that list all year long like that doesn't stop just you know you call me about a guy and we'll put him in a list and when we get a chance to see him we try to follow up on him and it just it never stops as far as that goes. Um, our camps have been huge for us, though, man. And like you know, to say that our entire roster just compiled, compiled of guys from camps would be a lie. But we have we pretty much recruit a guy from every single camp that we host. You know, and and sometimes it's more than one guy. Sometimes we recruit a guy and we don't get him, um, and it just kind of works out like that. But like we we recruited a kid directly directly out of our prospect camp last year, and you know he's going to be walking into camp this year in ten days. So. Um, it's a big deal for us, man. Like we don't, we don't really mess around a whole lot with our camps and it's not just like this jokey, the, you know, this jokey 24, 48 hour window, um, where we're collecting a paycheck. Like it, we're really trying to evaluate every kid that, that comes here, um, for a prospect camp. We're trying to give them some data. Um, we, we run track man the entire time. Like me and Todd have talked about trying to do blast with it. Um, last year, I just don't think we had the the setup and infrastructure to do that for our camp, um, to be or- organized with it the way that it should be um, for those guys. And, and so, you know, that's something that obviously we're looking into for the future. Um, but yeah, like we're really trying to evaluate them. We're really trying to give them like, we we truly do pride ourselves, Shafe, on like giving them legitimate evals. I feel like that's a thing that's right. gone away in the past mm-hmm. 10 years. Right. Um, you know, it might take us a little longer to get the eval back, but we've got 
literally we'll, we'll set up like stations on our field and you know 60 and swing and we do two turtle stuff where we have coaches at every different station and and we're grading everything that our that the athletes do and then we give them an evaluation sheet on the back end with notes that says like hey you know your 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 exit speed your exit velos were this you probably need to hit the ball a little bit harder to be our type of athlete. In order to do that, you probably need to move a little bit better. And here's some areas that we think you could improve in. And the same thing on the pitching side of it, again, probably using a little more data on that side with TrackMan and things like that. So I think I think our camp is is one of the best um, the best structures in the country in terms of recruitment and development, literally, because because we're not just sitting there, you know, sitting there on our phones and scrolling on Twitter and only looking up when a guy shoves ninety. Um, we're, we're really trying to watch to, to give these kids a, a true eval and give them some feedback, you know, because we got kids, seniors all the way down to freshmen that, that might have a lot of growth in front of them. And so hopefully they come here and, they, and we could provide um, something for them, whether it's, you know, whether it's a potential roster spot all the way down to like four things that they could really try to work on over the next few years. Uh, my last question, I was thinking about how to ask this because, uh, again, I, 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 I I'm on Twitter. I, I read all the, the baseball news, and I mean, let's just be be very honest. I mean, Coach Harris is got to be considered one of the top rising coaches in the country um, for what he's done at Campbell. And you see speculation of him going other places or people interested. Uh, I mean, I saw one yesterday about UCF, and, and who knows if that's real or not. Uh, obviously, how does he handle that? Uh, I'm sure people ask him all the time, "Hey, when are you going to go to a Power Five? When are you going to, you know, do this, do that?" But I mean. Obviously, he's got a great spot right now at Campbell. Uh, does he ever talk about that, or is it kind of like just he just shrugs it off? Yeah, I mean, I've worked with Coach Hare for three years, and he's like one of the most loyal, um, just some, one of the most loyal, hardworking people I've ever been around. So, to be completely honest with you, man, like I don't have an, a great answer for that. You know, that's probably something you could ask him at some point. Um, but like literally, man, like every day is business as usual with him. Like. I don't know that I've I've walked in the office one day in my three years here and just been like, something's off about him, you know, like what's up? And it could be like, he's got four kids, man. Like, you know, his wife's like super embedded in the community and it's like always doing stuff over at the, at the elementary school where a few of his kids go and stuff. And it, it could be like, you know, a number of different things that is, that is going on in his life. And it's the attention to detail that he pours into our program, um, every day. Like he's not the head coach that shows up at, at two o'clock for a three o'clock practice and pretends like he knows everything. Like he's here. He's, he's at early work with our guys regularly. Um, and I, and honestly, like if, if there was something in the mix, whether it's speculation or real, like I, I, I would really struggle to see it. And I don't think I'm that naive anymore um, to not see it. Uh, so yeah, like he, he's, he's super focused. He's, he's super grounded in where his feet are. He's super loyal. Um, you know, I think if there was something out there, like he, we would be the first ones to know. Um, but, you know, as far as as far as we're concerned, our program, like he's here and, and he's where his feet is and he's been really good at that. So it's really as as a coach on him and, a, you know, probably a player in our plug, play, clubhouse, even though I didn't play for him. I would imagine that's exactly what you want in your leader. And, and it seems yeah. like that's, that's what our guys kind of kind of grab on to. So engage with all the players. Whether yeah. they're playing or not, just that, that that's just a special breed. He, I was watching again. This might have been last year. I think you were playing Liberty. This is amazing how I remember this. Um, one of your players got out, threw his helmet, threw his bat on the field, and he sprinted over from third base, got right in his face. And just, it was awesome to me. Like, you know, like respect the game. You know, that's, yeah. I mean, it really scared my son. You coach this game long enough. You know, there's moments yeah. when, when the kid needs to be beat down a little bit. And then there's other times where the kid needs a hug, man. You got you to be, be able to balance it. Yeah. You know, you can't be cutty cutter and you can't be, you know, you can't yeah. be that. Just that was, that was Bryce Arnold and Bryce was, yeah. uh, you know, All-American this year. <laughs> Bryce, <laughs> Bryce used some kicks in the butt, you know, from time to time. But he's like, Bryce is one of the fiercest competitors I've ever been around. And like he said, he's the dude who like, he, he thinks that he should hit every single ball 105 miles an hour. Nice. You know, and like. I don't want to take that away from it, but I'm like, hey man, yeah, this game's kind of hard, you know. <laughs> they say it's better, better to tame a stallion than to kick a mule. So <laughs> give me, give me a barn full of stallions, man. That's right. I'll work yeah. with those guys. But awesome. Yeah, we're good. Yeah, Jordan, man, awesome. Thank yeah. you so much. The information was phenomenal. Um, I know it's, it's uh, value to our listeners and a lot of families that. Uh, 
you know, we, we, we try to give them the balance, you know, and we do more college coaches than we do anything pro or, or high school, or anything like that. But understanding that, you know, that leap is huge. And, and this is what is required because you get to the next level of college. It, and I tell these guys, you're getting paid now to be there. You're on scholarship, right, dude. Or you're getting something, whether it's academic money or whatever. So now it becomes, it becomes, it becomes a job. You better love your job. You know, it's just not, it's just not a, it's just not a cakewalking thing. It's the same scenario. We got all this free time and you can sleep in and do what you want. You are training, you are preparing, you're analyzing now. That's another piece that, you know, I, I used to analyze as a dollar beer night. And that was where I went. You're kind of, we're kind of signing off, you know, on the yeah. back end or whatever, but um, we're about to go through like, you know, the next two, three weeks with, with the college world series and super regionals. And you mentioned something about your son that I think is super important for guys to understand it and the game speeding up. Right. And we talk about it all the time in terms of like the physical speeding up on, on guys. And I think the most undervalued skill that most freshmen, a lot of Juco guys have is the mental piece that speeds yeah. up on them when they get into it at our level, like at the college yeah. level. Um, for everybody listening who will log on to this and, and listen to it, the, these kids need to watch high-level baseball, whether that's collegiate level or professional baseball. You know, in the Southeast, we're, we're absolutely littered with really good uh, minor league teams that play all around us. And, and you know, professional games are always on television. But we're, we're getting ready to go into like a two, three-week window where you have ESPN is broadcasting like every, every Super and, and Omaha game. And you'll you'll watch these these games and like like we we really find value in base running in our program and we'll watch these games and we'll save clips and we'll share them with our guys next year. And I think the value that these kids could have in terms of like watching the game and watch it from like a, a little bit different perspective, not like, man, that's a really hard fastball or like, dang, that sliders wipe out. Um, watch it from the perspective of like how how at bats are handled or how certain guys are being pitched or how they run the bases or how, you know, any number of things. Like I think that value in terms of like guys speeding the game up mentally is totally different than speeding up physically. Like we recruit guys that we feel like have a pretty good shot physically when they walk in the door. That doesn't mean they're not going to grow and get better. However, where we see the most growth, we, we need to see the most growth is usually the mental side of the game. That is a lot more, you know, in terms of what we're going to do at our level. Um, and I think if they watch games over the next few weeks at the collegiate level, you know, you're going to see some some really good things and some really bad things that we could all learn from. So um, I hope I hope, you know, the guys, the, the people that listen to this and stuff um, take that and, and run with it and just kind of watch. I, I, wish it, listen, awesome. I, I can tell you right now, there's not very many kids that watch the game like we do. I mean, yeah. there's, there's too much information. Right. And, and it's unfortunate because they don't, you know, like I. And I know we're jumping off here, but mimic mimic hitters because I watch them in the big leagues. That's how I learned. You know, this stands for. I mean, I Cardi stretched the way up here. You know, Roy White, different things like that. Now nobody even pays attention to those guys. They just know names. They know Velo. They know you know. Um, but Stamp, thank you, man. Awesome, Stamp. Awesome, awesome ton of information, and we really appreciate it and we look forward uh, uh, to catching up again soon. You know, I'd love to do this again, man, because it doesn't seem it seem like there's a lot more in there that we got to. Uh, we got to pull out of you. <laughs> Thank you guys for having me, man. I appreciate it. It was fun. And anytime, man. Anytime. All right. Thanks, Thanks man. Have a great weekend. Right, Take care, man. For now. Yeah. I knew that would be a good one. I, I mean, he's. You know, like I said, I mean, we've, we've, we've yeah. like been around each other and talked to yeah. each other, but, you know, we're bouncing and bouncing and bouncing, but never had an in depth conversation yeah. like that with, yeah. you know, with him. I mean, it's amazing. That, that he's a separator, right? Yeah, he's, he, he's a separated. He's going to be a head coach. Somewhere, yes, somewhere at some point. I mean, shows, he has. And it shows there's a lot of different ways to success too. Where they're they go, they dive really deep into analytics, but mm -hmm. also have other stuff within the game that they use. Analyze yeah. players. Where you have maybe the total opposite. It's just like golf. Like it's Chef was a total field player, and you yeah. have Bryson DeChambeau, right. who's all analytics. There's different ways. To yeah, Fitzpatrick, all the analytics, yeah, all those yeah, guys. It's a great point. But it's uh, it. it, it I don't know. It's it, there's a hybrid to everything. I mean, you know, you do have to be able to look at a kid and go like like we did watching our guys. Yeah, right? we watching in the All Star. I'm like, mm, like that guy, like yeah. his actions, like his actions. Um, you know, and then you start to put those things together. Like, it'd be curious, like the Tucker Smith kid, right? 
That yeah. little kid that's going to, to in two years, where is he going to be? James Madison, right, man? But this kid was barreling balls up. He was yeah. trying to was jumping off different like that. But okay, what is he doing different? What's this separate? Why is he got a? Right. Why is he at better bat speed than the bigger kid that's bigger and stronger? Well, you know, yeah. yeah Jimmy and Ike uh, saw something in him, yeah. obviously, and they did a great job. I mean, you know, literally, they probably when he was they're going through the recruiting process, he was probably 130 pounds. I mean, it's a yeah. tape, that's a Tavon Mongero kid right yeah. there. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's, yeah, there's this little kid that, uh, you know, you just have to believe. I mean, and, that, and that's the other piece that's tough for us in the sense is right. convincing some of these guys because a lot of them are eyeball tests and not projectability guys. Like, right. okay, you, we need the physical guy now. Um, you know, but if they're looking at redshirting guys along the way, because you hear that now, we've heard that talk sure. to college coaches, like, would they be willing to take a redshirt if we brought them in? You know, okay. You know, at this point, yeah. You know, and again, but the problem I was I was laughing in my head. I was laughing is that they're thinking about, you know, kids are going to school five or six years. I'm a parent paying another thirty, forty grand. You know, like, dude, come on, man, get a job. enough baseball. You know, go play men's softball somewhere. Yeah. Like, get a get a job. Get to do it. That's true. But yeah, I mean, listen, it's it, it's 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 evolution with everything, right? Yeah. Everything evolves, and uh, um, I will say, and I I asked that question about. Coach Hare, you know, I mean, yeah. you look onto it, everyone wants this guy. Yeah. I mean, you know, but I believe Stamp when he says that he yeah. has a loyal guy, community yeah. guy, and you can tell. Um, hey, listen, yeah, he's probably got a great thing going there. Oh, he's got a great thing going there. You got yeah. four kids and they're going to give you a couple hundred thousand dollars more a year? Uh, I would think mm, it's. You know. And then listen, it's, it's yeah. like anything else, right? Do you want to stay in AAA? Not that that's AAA. No. It, you know what I mean? Yeah. Not at all that that's AAA. But what I'm saying is, do you want to stay? Or do you want to, you know, do you want to see how you compete on the big stage? Yeah. That's always, you know. I, yeah, I think it base, you know, baseball's a little different where you take Coastal, you take Campbell, you take Dallas Baptist, you take yeah. some of these schools that are mid-majors. Yeah. They're not mid-majors. No, they're not mid-majors. They're not. I mean, they're not they're not. I mean they're, 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 they they could fit into any SEC, ACC, yes. big, any 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 uh, division. 100%. Like that. No doubt about it. Yep. Uh, listen, there's a lot of good baseball players out there. There's a lot of parity in the game, even at the D- Division two level. We've seen some D2 teams that could – I've oh, seen some D three teams yeah. like in Marietta, sure. Christopher Newport, schools like that. That you're like, oh, whoa, you know, yeah. look at this, man. And there, there are places where kids go to play just because they want to play, not because they want to be big leaguers. Correct, right? So, yep. You got to get on the road. I got to go, man. We got it's opening day, baby. Open day. I put my lid on. That's it. Let's go. Work on my size. Don't hurt yourself. I got. I got. Uh, we got. I'm gonna be play ball here tonight. I know. Three hundred kids. Yeah, are you gonna be here? Yeah, you you coming? Uh, no, uh, yeah. I'm, go- I'm going to a practice in Matthews. Okay. John can't be yeah. here. Yeah, he can't. No. Oh, are we off the air? No, we're not. No, right. oh. <laughs> Goodbye, everybody. <laughs>